and welcome to Genderator. I'm your host, Jennifer Sanfilippo. My guest today is Amy Blaustein, president of the New York City chapter of the International Coaching Federation. Amy is a certified life and career coach, time management coach, and a trained recovery coach. I thought we could all use that kind of firepower as we talk about experiencing every aspect of our lives from home. Though based in New York, Amy works with clients across the country. She has a broad perspective on the trials and tribulations of sheltering in place. Amy is going to talk with us about her work with clients and share some solutions people have found to be useful as they cope with the challenges presented by the pandemic. Amy Blaustein, welcome to Genderator. Thank you for having me. You are based in New York City, the epicenter of the U.S. coronavirus outbreak. My very first question to you is, how are you? I'm, you know, all things considered, I think I'm doing pretty good. I kind of look at this as day by day, and I feel like I'm getting through each day really well and taking it in small bits, but I think I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for asking. Good, good. I imagine uh, your clients are experiencing a range of emotions and feelings about keeping their job. If they were in the middle of a job search, what does that look like? And I can't even imagine what's coming at you right now. You know, it's been interesting. So I have clients that are all over the country, and I have some clients that I'm working with that we do more life coaching versus clients that I'm doing career coaching. And everybody has their own unique set of fears, anxieties, different issues that they bring to the table. And it's been interesting listening to each person and taking from each person something that I learned from them and being able to apply it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so it's all those different teachable moments. But it's been interesting. I feel like I'm doing more listening Mm -hmm. and supporting, not that I didn't do it before, but I feel like it's a lot more listening. It's a lot more just being there and holding the space for them in the moment. I imagine that is very comforting to people. I think so. I think sometimes they just need to vent and just to let it all out. Yes. And have somebody other than somebody who's in their space with them just listen for them. The physical distancing versus the social, trying to get some social interaction is a real challenge, and I I imagine in New York in particular with people in their apartments right now. How are you managing and and advising people in that area? So I think there's a couple parts to it because I think it's, you're right, the physical distancing, but I think it's the emotional distancing that people are going through as well. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting listening to how different people are coping with being apart from people. You know, I know for me, my work life in that sense hasn't really changed. My Monday through Friday is very much so the same in the sense of because I work from home anyway, but listening to different friends, different clients, it's been interesting how they're all finding a version that works for them. Mm -hmm. And it's been interesting for a couple of reasons. One, because I think in the beginning, so many people were much more scared Mm -hmm. and needed that connection and to know that they were building some type of stability Mm -hmm. with what was going on, some type of that new norm, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so I think they were reaching out to more people, staying connected, you know, obviously virtually through whatever Zoom platform, whatever it is that they are, that we use. Also phone calls and texting. 
And so it's been interesting to see how people have been engaged or sharing, you know, funny videos and things like that. Mm-hmm. I've also noticed the emotional distancing harder for more people than not mm-hmm. and finding ways to still learn how to reconnect, but also how to communicate verbally, if that makes sense, because you can't do it through touch. Yes. You can't do it through being with people. So it's, I think conversations are deeper and richer. That's really interesting. I expect that will change how we work with each other moving forward. Once we can come out of our homes again and and go back to work with each other, it'll be very interesting to see what communicating looks like then. I think so. And I think it's been interesting, you know, sorry it took something like this for us to get back as families back to basics. Mm-hmm. I've heard from clients, friends, that everybody was on such busy schedules. To mm-hmm. even sit down and have a meal together was so challenging. Mm-hmm. And now you kind of don't have a choice and you have to. You know, the kids being around, I was talking to a client that she said to me, she has a son that's in college that obviously is at home. And she said to me, she said, Are, we're having real conversations and we're actually having a conversation rather than just a text or a quick five-minute chat she said we're actually engaging and we actually like each other more oh, and so no. that was nice to hear some of those things that people are pointing out from having to be at home with each other that's beautiful that's really yeah. uplifting to hear it's a time to definitely look at and let people hold the space to talk about what their fears or anxieties and stuff like that but one of the questions that i'm also engaging with clients and even friends is so what's the positive that's been coming out of this mm. what have they been experiencing that are on the high notes for them because we need that reminder. We need people to stay in that place of being very positive and having the hope. Mm -hmm. And that pulls us through day to day. It reminds me, and I know this is an extreme example, but for some reason, Lord Shackleton and the the endurance expedition came to my mind this morning. And I don't I don't know if you know that story, but Lord Shackleton took a 28 man crew on an expedition to the South Pole in 1915, and they got stranded in the Antarctic for almost two years. He was able to save his 28 member crew and bring them back to mainland and life again. And so much of it is attributed to his leadership and how he just kept them busy and hopeful and entertain, entertaining each other. It was just a constant. And it was real. That story is really remarkable. Now, clearly, nobody's stranded in the Antarctic. But from an emotional perspective, having someone in the ha- in the home who's like your Lord Shackleton, who is helping try and exactly. keep everybody up and hopeful and and looking forward and positive, I imagine, is uh, useful. It's useful in this house. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, it's going to be different for everybody. But I know for me, one thing that keeps me positive, I look at it as day by day. Mm -hmm. And I get in bed at night and I think about, okay, what were some really good things that happened today? But the one thing that also keeps me going that I really appreciate is at 7 o'clock every night, and I don't know how this is happening in other places, but here I can open up my window, and no matter what, at 7 o'clock, listening to the cheering and the clapping, the banging on pots and pans of people, you know, cheering for the frontline people, the doctors and the nurses, to me, I'm like, all right, we got there another day, and we're okay, and we're all here. And that togetherness, even though, as you said, we're social distancing because everybody's from afar in their apartments, 
we're all still together. Yes. And it's, to me, just a very cool moment. Every day I look forward to that. That must be an, an incredible experience. You know, it is. And the first time I heard it, I knew that it was happening. But the first time I heard it, I thought, oh, this is very cool. And then every day it seems to get louder and louder. It's a nice moment in time. You know, at the end of the day, we do all come together, everything that's going on. And, it's you know, everybody's going through their own stuff and has their own versions of it. Mm-hmm. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that you have that, it just keeps you going. How encouraging. Exactly. I want to talk a little bit about what working from home looks like these days from folks. And I read somewhere that in this pandemic, we should look at the situation not as working from home, but as working through a crisis remotely. And that really just sounds like an important reframe to support some coping mechanisms with managing expectations. What, What would you say to that? Do you agree with that? I do, because... And I've had this conversation with several people, clients and just different various people that, yes, we're all still working. We get up every day. For those of us that are working, we're still working. We're still doing the same functions, Mm -hmm. applying the same skills. We're just doing it in a different location right now. Mm -hmm. And still means that we still have to show up every day. We still have to do our job. But I think if we reframe it from, I'm just doing this in a different location, Mm -hmm. I think that may help with it because I think when we say working from home, Mm -hmm. there's a part of it that might become lackadaisical for some people. Mm -hmm. We need to keep it as, all right, we're just doing it in a different location right now. Still showing up every day. We're still that person still doing. And the reason I think that's important is because that incorporates how that routine is each day, you know, maintaining that routine of what your normal get up and go to work routine is, going to the office routine. But I think you're right. I think it's the reframing of I'm working from a different location right now, rather than working from home. So have you been advising people to, if you had specific rituals before you went to work, are you recommending that people still do those things? Absolutely. And everybody's version is going to be very different. You know, I have some clients and know some people that are, it's just them and they don't like me. I'm single. It's just me and that type of thing. For me, getting up, my routine has not changed in that sense. But people's versions do change. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people that both mom and dad are at home with the kids. Both mom and dad are working. They're now working from a different location. Mm -hmm. Just so happens they're working from their home. But now they're having to create a different type of a routine because of the kids and Mm -hmm. the kids doing distance learning. But in general, for routines, this is kind of my list of for people to keep in mind when we think of routines. And it's still going to bed and getting up the same time every day. Mm -hmm. It's keeping up with your going to the office routine. However, making modifications based on what your current situation is, Mm -hmm. getting up and showering and getting dressed every morning. And I tell people, do this because you're going to feel better. You know, Mm -hmm. we always feel better once we're showered and we show up better for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Plus, you never know when some boss or somebody wants to jump on a Zoom call. Right. You're caught in your pajamas. (laughs) You know, it's one of those things. But it's still, you get up because you just feel better about it. Yes. The other one is setting boundaries. When you begin work in the morning and when you end your day, we can get into a talk about it, you know, different versions of like people that are doing distance learning with their kids, some things that I've been learning from clients that we've also been creating for them. Routinely taking breaks to get your body moving. Set an alarm on your phone or wherever. I know I could sit down when I'm in a zone or something and just work and forget to get up. Mm -hmm. For me, I've got a Fitbit. And at the end of the hour, 10 minutes before the hour is up, if I haven't had my steps for the hour, it vibrates and it reminds me to get up and move. (laughs) Continually, you know, continue with your schedule of exercise. Yeah, maybe modified and different because you're doing it from home. But if you're used to getting up and exercising in the morning before you go to work, 
do that mm-hmm. or figuring out how to fit it in through the day and put it on a calendar, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that it is part of your day. And then think about what you normally do and stick with it as much as possible. So, for example, the times that you're eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner or how your day usually is. Do it as much as you're used to because that keeps that routine, but the routine is going to be really important for people. Mm -hmm. And the other reason I think it's really important is there's so much around us that we don't have control over. I can't control the news. I can't control anything outside of what goes on in my apartment. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I can control my structure. I can control my routine. That gives me a sense of comfort mm-hmm. and it gives me, I, you know, I'm a structure girl. I like process, but to me to have that, it keeps me balanced. It keeps me, it lessens anxiety. Mm-hmm. You mentioned boundaries. So that leads me to think about the division of labor for people with children in the household. How has the division of labor been sorting out through your experience of your clients? Every household is structured differently. There's the kids, the mom or the dad or partners, however it's structured for you. In every relationship, regardless of what it looks like, there's always a default parent. And it is identifying who's doing what and also realizing that everybody's got a role. Everybody's got a responsibility, regardless of how your house is structured. Mm -hmm. And it's figuring out how partners, um, how kids all divide up labor. So it's been interesting because there's so many people that have, again, and I know I say this a lot, different versions. I have one client, she's in California. She is a stay-at-home mom, full-time job in itself. Her husband goes to work. Right now he is working from the house. And her entire day, she's got younger kids, she's got a four-year-old and a Mm six-year-old, is completely structured around the kids. Mm -hmm. And so what one of the things that that they've been doing is he is, having to end his day earlier than he normally would because sometimes he comes home very late, mm-hmm. there's a cutoff time. He's doing more to help with the dinners, with the cleanup, different things like that so that it is divided up. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she's going through among the stress with this, but it is giving up and giving herself permission to say, you know what, he's not going to do it the way I do it. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Mm-hmm. We just need to come together and get the stuff done. On the weekends, they're splitting it up a little bit more. The other thing that they've done is, and they've kind of made this a non-negotiable, is, and also depending on the the weather, mm-hmm. two times a day, she gets out to go for a walk mm-hmm. on her own. Mm-hmm. So she gets a break from it mm-hmm. because he's in his office. The door is shut throughout the day, and so he is not exposed to what's going on. So they're dividing it up that way. Mm-hmm. For her, it is very much so letting go of it's not the way I would normally do it, but you know what? I can only take on so much. Yeah. I have another client that she and her husband both have are working from the from home and have two kids that are doing distance learning. And what they've done, which I thought was interesting, was they split up the week. So for one week, one parent takes the lead for three days, every like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. They take the lead in getting the kids ready for school, doing the distance learning with them, staying focused that way. Mm-hmm. And then two days, the other person does it. And then the week after that, they split it. Mm-hmm. They reverse it. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a fair play. Mm-hmm. And they're all pitching in more and sharing more of the chores. It's an overall family experience. Mm-hmm. And it's coming together and it's figuring out, okay, what is it that we need to do? And what they're doing is on Sundays. 
they play it out their week like they normally would. Mm-hmm. But instead of, you know, all the activities and different things that would happen outside of the home out after school, they're figuring out how to divide up stuff within the house. And so for them, that's really working. And the other part to this that's really important is what we call dividing up your space in the neighborhoods and different zones. So when you have multiple people working from home, the parents or the kids doing distance learning, every situation is going to be different. And so it's figuring out also what your, what your technology capabilities are, but everybody gets their own zone, mm-hmm. figuring out how to make that work. Mm-hmm. So every version is going to be different. Every family is going to have their own stuff. And so they have to figure out what are the priorities, what has to get done, and how do we make sure it's getting done but with fair play. I really like that. You know, my household is not an organized household. And I hear a lot of um, routine and planning and organization as part of what's helping people make things work. Even though we're not typically an organized group here, there's four of us. My husband is here. Mm -hmm. Our two sons are here. We also recognize that when everybody's here, bad things happen if we aren't respecting each other's space and each other's boundaries. So it becomes, out of necessity, what is normally kind of a chaotic environment becomes organized. Because if, if in this new world, if we don't at least have zones and respect for each other's space, and that includes, you know, your dishes are in the sink again, clean your damn dishes, you know, that that kind of respect for each other's space. And I won't barge into your room and I won't bother you while you're making your, when I speak of, say, my college-age sons, when you're making your famous recording that's going to push you to the top of the charts, I won't bother that as long as you're not destroying my kitchen. So it doesn't have to be exactly written out, but I think we've found this natural flow of the zones and the the respect for each other that keeps us all from killing each other. Absolutely. And if you have the common places where everybody's respecting it, the living room area or where people gather all together or the kitchen, the bathrooms even, there's got to be a mutual respect for it. And everybody's got to kick in, participate and help out. And nobody's exempt from it. We're all living in that space. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that's where that mutual respect comes in. But I think conversations are happening differently. And I think people are are setting boundaries with it, but also very clearly stating, all right, we're all living in a new world at the moment. Mm -hmm. And we're all around each other a lot more than we used to and doing things differently. How are we gonna how are we gonna make this work? And people have to have the conversations. Mm-hmm. Regardless, I think, of what age the kids are now, if they're toddlers and stuff like that, that's different. Mm-hmm. But even if it's age an age appropriate conversation with the kids. And it's you know, every and it's gonna change and it's going to you know, I know with different clients that in the beginning, because a lot of people were, the kids were on spring break when this started. And so there wasn't even the distance learning. Then when distance learning came into play, the routine changed again. Right. And right. so it's figuring out, yeah, the routine, but it's also, as you're going through it, making modifications along the way right. and figuring out, you know, having the conversation of, is this working? Do we need to change something? Because there's nothing worse than having a lot of resentment and people being, everybody's emotions are heightened anyway. Mm-hmm. But if people are just so angry and the space isn't conducive, then you got to have conversations. Yes. Well, back to your point earlier, this is really, this situation is really forcing communication 
in different forms, in different methods, and more communication than perhaps many of us have been used to with our closest people in our lives, both physically and emotionally. It's an incredible exercise. That hopefully has long-lasting positive uh, ramifications. That's my hope that, you know, when we get on the other side of this, whenever that may be, that there are some things that have been put in place that the family is doing, that people are doing, that I hope they continue with because I think it's healthier in that sense. You know, the conversations, how we talk. And it's not just having a conversation. It's how we talk to each other, the language that we use with each other. How do we engage people instead of just saying, you know, in passing when kids come home and whatever after all the activities of how was your day and the common response is fine. It's rather, you know, how was your day where there's a much more engaged conversation that comes out of it, Mm -hmm. that we really mean it when we say how was your day. Mm I want to shift over to the the population of people who may have been in the middle of a job search when the quarantine started rolling through. What advice do you have for people who were looking to either change jobs or are looking for for a new job um, at the at this point? Yeah, it's and there is a shift with it. The good news is that people are hiring, companies are hiring. Every industry obviously is going to be different. Yes, there's massive number of layoffs, more than we've ever seen. But in a situation like this, I do, you know, I've got my individual clients and then I do a coaching group on Monday night. And what we've all been talking about and then talking to different peers, coaching peers and stuff like that is we have to continue on and we have to continue on with modifications in one, how we manage our expectations, Mm -hmm. and I'll come back to that in a second, Mm -hmm. but two, it's how we're doing it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, it is, first of all, looking at what are the industries that somebody's looking at, what are their targets, and what I mean by that is what are the roles that they're looking for and what are the industries that they're looking at. Mm -hmm. If I'm working with a client, they say they want to be in hospitality or the airline industry or food and beverage, we're going to have a really different kind of conversation because that's not realistic at the moment. Mm-hmm. Not to say it may not come back down the line, but in the very moment, mm-hmm. we know that there are bigger challenges there. Mm-hmm. It is recognizing what industry that you're interested in and does the market support it right now. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's a lot of tech, e-commerce, different roles like that, operations that they're hiring for. Mm-hmm. So it's keeping up with the job search as you would normally do, mm-hmm. but also understanding and manage, managing the expectation that the response time is going to be different. It may be a little bit longer to hear back from somebody. Mm-hmm. The interviewing mm-hmm. process is obviously very, very different mm-hmm. because it's virtual versus in-person. Mm-hmm. The onboarding process is going to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, there's more competition right now. So it's being mindful of what the, those types of situations are, but you've got to continue with it. Mm-hmm. This is a great time to really work on your networking. Mm-hmm. Also, with the networking, being mindful of how it's done and being mindful that not everybody's up for it right now. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I'm going to reach out to somebody for a networking purpose, mm-hmm. one of the things I may say in the email is, I understand this is a tough time. If this is not a good time for you, Let's touch base at a later time, but please let me know. That way it's communicating to the person that's really being mindful that you may not be in the same place I am, 
but I hope we can connect at some point in time. And so it's staying connected with your networking, mm-hmm. you know, having conversations. Yeah, you're not meeting for coffee or not meeting for lunch necessarily, but it is meeting virtually or having a phone conversation. Mm-hmm. And so that part of it may change. Mm-hmm. It could be a time to also really explore what it is that you're looking for and looking for the want to versus the have to. There are some situations where people need to find a job immediately. Mm-hmm. And so their focus is going to be a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. There's other situations where this is a time to really fine tune your resume, mm-hmm. fine tune your LinkedIn profile, mm-hmm. fine tune and really identify the targets that you're interested in, those industries, those roles. Mm-hmm. Also looking at, you know, revising what we call your two minute pitch. And all having all of those tactical pieces in place so that when it is time because people will be hiring again, that you are ready to really get out there, that you're really able to really put your feet forward, not that people wouldn't be, but to really engage in it in a way where you're feeling confident and you're ready. We are going to come out on the other end of this. And 100%. There very well may be a, a big rebound. The, the, the water may be receding off the beach right now, but we know it's coming back in. <laughs> the tide's coming back eventually. It will. It may not look the same, but it will come back. Companies will, you know, those companies that survive, they will be hiring again. They may look at things a little bit differently. I think we may all see a shift in more remote work in general Mm -hmm. versus, you know, going into an office. But we don't know. But the other thing, too, is this is the time to really take in and reflect on it Mm -hmm. and see what is in front of us, how companies are working, what's not working, that type of thing, to really be able to come back and engage in the right way. One of your other specializations is that you are a recovery coach. Is that correct? I am. Yes. I'm a trained recovery coach. So there are plenty of jokes and jabs about alcohol consumption and drug use during this um, isolation. But to many, it's it's not a joke. It's a very serious situation. As a recovery coach, what supports do you recommend for people who are at home, who may be feeling depressed, or whose uh, sobriety may be challenged by by this situation? Yeah, you know, you're right as you asked that and we started that there have been a lot of jokes about it that you know people are doing virtual groups, virtual happy hours. Mm-hmm. People are making, I can't tell you the number of text messages or emails I get about drinks that are being created around the COVID-19, the, uh, what is it called, the Corona Martini, different (laughs) things like that. And while that's, we have some levity there, but you're right, there is a population of people, there are a lot of people out there that have, are going through a lot right now, and there is, the mental health part of this I think is really very important. And regardless if it is depression or any mental health issues like that, but the substance abuse side is really important as well. For something like this, you know, for those that are in the midst of this, you know, in recovery, whatever it may be, it's there's a lot of virtual online support groups that are out there. There are a lot of resources. Thank goodness that availability is out there. You know, it used to be years ago that people would go to meetings, different things like that, where there wasn't the virtual aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But there are a ton of resources that are out there that people can utilize to join a virtual group. Talking to somebody, having somebody to talk to, not only talking to somebody, but also being the person that talks to somebody that you know that may need help. Mm-hmm. And so it's being much more mindful of where persons 
state of mind is. And I think that's why, and you may have brought this up, is we need to do more check-ins with people to find out how they really are feeling. Mm -hmm. Somebody is saying, you know, I'm having a really rough time adjusting to this, Mm -hmm. or I'm extremely scared, or, you know, I'm much more depressed than I normally am. Figuring out, okay, how can you support them, but how can we get them the mental health support from a professional that they may need? Mm -hmm. There's some tremendous resources that are out there for that. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it is tough. I mean, it is, you know, and that type of thing, that is a one day at a time type thing. Mm-hmm. But it's really, if you know somebody in your family, if you know a friend, if you're going through it yourself, figure out what are your options, what are your tools and resources to help you, to help support you. So you are writing a book. I am. Can you tell us about your book? The way this came to be was working with clients. And one thing I always say is every single day that I get to work with a client, I get to learn something new and different that either enriches my life or something that I can use to enrich somebody else's life. And so the book that I'm writing is about people that are going through or have gone through the experience of being laid off from a job. Mm -hmm. It's not about the job search. It's not about all the tools and resources and the process you go through to find a job. It's really focusing on the transition and the transformation that somebody goes through. Those are two really key components that somebody experiences. Mm -hmm. And everybody has their own story Everybody has their own experience, version, emotions, everything that go with it. A couple of years ago, when this came, this idea came up, it was from working with clients that kept saying, you know, I wish I could talk to somebody that's gone through this mm-hmm. and somebody that's been laid off, somebody that say, I wish I could talk to somebody, you know, how they got through this and how they came out on the other side of it. And I thought, you know what? These stories need to be told. Mm-hmm. These stories not only need to be told, they need to be shared with people focus of the book is the first part of it is just a little bit about me, but how I got to this point of wanting Mm -hmm. to write the book. And then it is filled with, and being written, it's in process, in progress, different stories. I've been interviewing different people, and I've interviewed about 17 people now. The stories are absolutely incredible to hear exactly what it was that they went through, Mm -hmm. from the day that it happened to the next day when they got up to what that transition was from going to work every day, getting a paycheck, having their life and their identity wrapped up in their job to what the transition was Mm -hmm. and how they came out on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. There's so many great nuggets of information and tidbits that people have shared. A lot of common themes about people feeling of a relief. So many people that were in toxic situations, they hated their job, but they weren't doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. And so for them being laid off while it was very traumatic, Mm-hmm. and change their life significantly, it was also a true sense of relief for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We also go through a period where we need to recover from what happened, taking that time, that self-exploration. We don't do self-exploration until something happens to us, a loss or you know, a divorce, sickness, death, whatever it may be. This is something that we need to do more of. It's a gift to go through self-exploration. So it's really everybody's story is very different. Everybody has a beautiful story. And if I can share what people, the stories that have been told to me with other people, and we can create conversations around this. And that's another part of the book is people, for some reason, and I'm right there because I went through this experience, have a hard time talking about being laid off. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt that's associated with it. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be part more of our mainstream conversation. It is finding out from these folks that who gone through this, how do we make it part of the conversation? Mm-hmm. And what I'd like to do is not just have the book, but also create platforms where people could talk about this more. Mm-hmm. And people can really engage in conversations because 
hopefully this, these stories will resonate with somebody that reads it, not just the person that gets laid off, but the person who also has to lay somebody off, mm-hmm. families and the spouses, whomever it may be. So I'm really excited about it. It's taking longer than I anticipated, but it will get there. And, you know, my hope is in the next several months that it's done. But I think these stories need to be told and shared. I agree. I am so looking forward to the finished product. I agree with you (laughs) (laughs) that there is so much shame surrounding being laid off and People, when people are being walked out of companies, yeah. so much of their identity is wrapped up in that. And, and I imagine a lot of the feelings that people would have when they're laid off is like what people are experiencing in this, this new world of working from home because your identity is so attached to your, your employment. I think it's an excellent subject. I look forward to reading everybody's experiences and Thank the you. transformations really, I think, are inspirational to see how people do transform and what they, what they go on to do. And the stories are me, and that's what's exciting about it. Every time I do an interview, mm-hmm. I get inspired even more because it's, it, it, number one, it just validates that doing this book is the right thing to do, mm-hmm. but also, too, hearing how people have evolved from this mm-hmm. and where they are today versus where they were when this first happened, they're totally different people. Mm-hmm. And it's just lovely that they're letting me be part of their journey and telling the story. And it's interesting because a lot for a lot of people... They don't talk about it or they haven't talked about it since it happened. Mm -hmm. And so to go back through and tell the story again is helping them as well. So, And I think we need to hear it now because you're right. There are so many more layoffs now and people are going through a lot of different emotions Mm -hmm. because of everything that's going on. It's not just that. It's people that are currently working that also are worried about keeping their job and what do they need to do for that. The timing of this, I hope, helps others. And we'll get through this. We always do. Amy, it was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for joining me on Genderator. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure, and I appreciate the time that we got to chat. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration hotline number is 1-800-662-4357. That's 1-800-662-4357. Other mental health hotline numbers and links can be found on my website landing page at genderator.com. For more information about Amy Blaustein and previous guests, I welcome your visit to my website at www.genderator.com. That's Genderator with a J. Feel free to write me a note or comment on the podcast. I'd love to hear from you. I'm your host, Jennifer Sanfilippo. Thank you for joining me.